I'm sorry there's no headstone. Ten Commandments were carved in stone. You remember the Ten Commandments, don't you? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife was part of the deal. She's not your wife. Oh, she will be pretty soon. Why don't you get your ass in there? What happened to thou shalt not kill? made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways, I am Paul. And hey folks, it's Terry here. It's it's Tear Bear here. It's a uh, it's build a Tear Bear here on build, our belt. build a Tear Bear. Yeah. <laughs> Did I inadvertently just give you a name that you you don't like? Is that are you, have you been called Tear Bear by? Dude, uh, as long as you just don't call me like <laughs> baby. Okay, <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'm sorry, babe. I just, okay. uh, <laughs> no, like I don't know if you you know this. My father's name is Terry. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. But so he, is mine. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, and it's Terrence, you know, short, you know, so Terry's short for Terrence, right? But throughout his whole life, people call him Wally. Um, oh, Because okay. I guess as a kid, he was a little pudgy, and they called him Wally, Wally the Walrus. I'm like, kids in the 50s were cruel, you know? But he's like, you know, you know, growing up, like, he's you know, as a rail, and people still call him Wally, you know? So, yeah. So you could be called Wally for no apparent reason. Right. No, trust me, I've had my fair share of nicknames. There are people that do not know my name. And they just call me a nickname that they thought of, like being at Cinema Wasteland. They're like, what's your name again? I'm like, what do you remember me as? (laughs) (laughs) Tear Bear. (laughs) Some people still call me Tear Bear to the day. T-Bone, all kinds of stuff. T-Bone. My my God. Like, what's up, T-Bone? Like, well, no, no, I wouldn't. My wife calls me Terminator. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's just badass. Yeah, right. Like. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, my wife just calls me Paul because I hate pet names. And then, so (laughs) I do, I don't know what it is. It's like, I don't like. This is our Valentine's Day episode, everybody, where we talk about Tales from the Crypt. Uh, there's a it's, a it's a love episode, but just bear with me for a second. Tear, bear with me a second. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't do like the the whole like you know babe or hun or whatever. Yeah. It's like, and anytime like I could tell when when my wife wants something, she's like, hey hon. I'm like, what is it? Because she never she doesn't you know use that unless she wants something. And it's like, I, I don't know, they're, I'll, I'll respond sometimes back as just being a jerk. I'll be like, what up? What's up, Bay? Because she hates that term. That um, one's pretty bad. I hate uh, that one, too. Yeah. Shouty. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know just, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I just like, I, it's like, you love this person. You're, you're married with, you're married to them. You're, you know, you, you share rings. You're going to be together for the rest of your lives. It's like, you know each other's first names. <laughs> like, I think that's okay, you know? Like we don't do the whole weird like mother and father bullshit either. That'd be weird. We don't have kids, but it'd still be weird. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Some 
some people use the daddy thing, and I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Nope, nope, nope. So yeah. Anyway, enough about that creepy stuff. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. So instead of the Twilight Zone, we're be covering some Tales from the Crypt. Um, the series that ran in the 90s on HBO. We'll talk a little more about that in a second. Uh, so this was season two, episode six, The Thing from the Grave. Uh, easily available to be found for $2 to purchase on Amazon. Uh, and and Terry's um, telling me that it's also available on physical media pretty easily to yeah. get a hold of. Yeah, you can find it in other means as well. Like uh, I did find it on YouTube. If you're willing to go that route, it's not the best quality. I would say go ahead and buy it because... Why not? Tales from the Crypt is awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and I know I didn't even check YouTube because I would have thought that like this being like a more high profile show that it would be like taken down. I know when we've talked about uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, a lot of that's on like daily motion because mm. no one gives a shit. Right. <laughs> so like you could, you know, and you know, so I just, I didn't bother looking for it for free first, which is kind of, kind of funny because I'm like, well, it's HBO. It has, it, it, it's not, you know, so. Yeah, I, I figured while I was at work today, and you know, because I worked so hard at my job, I had only a little bit of free time, which is a lie. Um, I looked it up, and there it was. It was easy to find on YouTube. It was, it was decent quality, but I say just go out and buy it, people. I just don't know. It might just be a rights issue. I don't know why HBO with like three HBO like Go, and I know it's going to be HBO Max. Why the like this series isn't available alongside everything else? I would love that. Yeah, that seems like that'd be an easy draw. I, I think they just kind of forgot about it in some sense like i, I think if the the rev- the revision would have came back they would have picked it back up right away and then bull guarded it you know from yeah, every other media but i feel like if you can find spawn on there and watch that it's like like the cartoon series they put out like there's other like remnants from the 90s of hbo that's there they they took all the real sex stuff down because they're trying to get away from that oh, which boo. is like yeah it's like how else you're gonna be like oh wow um, belgium's a weird place you know like well you gonna learn about that like waffles can do that like as in the food <laughs> not the, the body part um i don't know what i meant with that i'm sorry i apologize i got real real weird there um so but anyway i th- this this episode is easily available uh, like i said i bought it for two dollars you know so if you guys have not had a chance to watch it like you know, like evidently there's free free ways to find it, but you pay two bucks for something that you love, support it. You know, why not? So uh before we get into before we get into day and date, should we talk more about Tales from the Crypt the show itself and then kind of go into the episode? Yeah, I okay. think that's so, a good idea. Teach so, us. Oh, so okay. So Tales from the Crypt was initially produced by HBO. Um it was gonna be a weekly program that they were gonna do, and it started on June tenth, nineteen eighty nine. And it ran all the way till July 19th, 1996. So that's seven seasons. That was a pretty good run. Um, these, I, I didn't know it actually ran that long until I started looking. I, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was a much shorter window for that series. Yeah, I, I, honestly, like the the final season is the season that has eluded me the whole time. Like even when I bought it and started watching it, I was like, why did I never see hmm. any of these episodes? And actually, the seventh season was produced in um, in Britain. Like they did the whole season with British actors in the Britain area. Huh. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah. So, and then they um, later on for public pro- broadcasting, and that they ended up uh, editing out a lot of the gore and a lot of the nudity. And showed it on, like, I, I caught it on Fox with my family when I was younger. And that. Yeah, they would show it at nighttime around, like, the same time they'd show, like, Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters. Yeah. I don't know how you edit that for for TV, though, because some, some of these shots are fairly long, so I don't know how you get those run times to where they still make sense. You know, I don't know. but Yeah, I mean, very strategic uh, editing, I guess. I, and I possibly with some of these episodes, they 
didn't even edit for TV. They probably skipped some of the episodes because I knew That's some fair. of them were a little bit more gory. Like there was one where Joe Pesci was cut in half. Uh, and I was like, how do you get past that? <laughs> well, they, they probably also had an eye towards syndication. Maybe they shot some stuff that was like the, the TV take versus like, you know, the yeah, actual... they saw the grand picture before they did everything else, yeah. maybe. But yeah. So and then, um, yeah, so it was based on the EC comic. Um, so the EC comic was produced. Well, initially founded in 19, uh, 1944. And most of their uh, comics, along with Tales from the Crypt and that, had ended in 1956. The only uh, uh, magazine that they kept on making was Mad. Okay, so, because it was Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, and Crypt of Fear, right? Or Haunt of Terror. Haunt of Terror, I think, right? Yeah, so, yep. Uh, and those were the, 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 was it William Gaines? Was the ones that was behind, is that the guy that was behind? Yes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, because um, uh, he took over for his father. And there's a lot of there's a lot of fighting too with like the comics code and censorship and things and yeah there's there's a really interesting history with all this yeah yeah it was it was I guess it was like I forget I was re- I was reading about this but I didn't write any of the notes um, there was a, a sub- subsequent uh, murder case that was uh, in the news and they attacked um, the comic code greatly because of all of the gross yeah because anytime there's anything that happens the older generation wants to blame what the younger generation's into and they always attribute because like if you go back far enough there was writings about how chess was destroying people's minds Hmm. because it was a game they were distracting them from life and it's like and then there was even a crusade at one point against books because it's like you can't spend all that time reading it's going to rot your brain like you go back far enough like anything that we now hold in this like hallowed establishment, there was some old person being like, no, like you can't have that. And comics was an easy target. Yeah. And it, there was no, not enough testing to see what the actual like outcome was going to be for any of that kind of stuff. It's like, I, you know, I mean, this is not the the platform for this, but the notion that if you, you know, uh, it just violent content is going to make you a violent person. I don't think that's accurate. And I think there's been a lot of science out there that show that it's not the case, you know, if you have somebody that's in uh, an improper headspace that needs attention, you know, then that's the problem. And that's, you know, that's something that needs to be taken care of. But like for mass consumption, like, you know, like comics or whatever, like that, that, you know, so and in this case, like it, it seems very fitting that HBO did a revival of Tales from the Crypt as this pulpy TV show, because since it was cable, they could do whatever they wanted. And there wasn't really a, a a ratings code, you know, so it's like that feels very appropriate for what in the spirit of the comic. So I don't know, like this was like this was kind of the racy, like taboo thing at the time was Tales from the Crypt. Right. And it was kind of on the coattails of a lot of other shows that were doing something similar, like Tales from the Dark Side. And that. Um, and, and then you also had um, Creep Show that it came out, um, what, five years before this. Yeah, and that was that was definitely an homage to the EC Comics, right? And, right. And there was even like the Amicus films uh, from the sixties and seventies, like Tales from the Crypt is one of them, you know. Yeah. And they, uh, they did the trilogy, so they had Vault of Horror as well, and then um, I forget the, the Haunt of Fear. Yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah the Haunt of Fear. I didn't get that one, unfortunately, but I've yeah. the other two. Yeah, um, which I know um, I was on a talk with Algorithm talking about Tales from the Crypt. So like I've seen like there's something to be had with this type of setup, and and like they they did a lot of it like before and. It's great that this was a good, good pulpy format to bring into a TV series. So, yeah. Anyway, did you have any other any other history here? Yeah, for? well, fun enough as it was too. Uh, considering AC Comics was so well known for all the horror um, like anthologies that they had done, that be- right before they even started doing Tales from the Crypt and this the other uh, storylines, 
they were just like a learning magazine for kids. So they did a lot of like, <laughs> you know, teach at home kind of programs for kids in these magazines. It's like, and we're going to teach you about the pagan god of truth. Like this is how you're going to learn about that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and then, so when the changing of hands happened, um, they wanted to focus more on like, I well, guess. Uh, is that what EC stood for? Was educational comics, if I remember right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't know why I didn't even write well, that, but it sounds right. <laughs> sure. So, but uh, yeah, but then, so they wanted to go towards a uh, mature audience and mature content. So they started doing like crime, no- or not novels, but crime stories and suspense stories and that. And so this is what really was the biggest part of it was the Tales from the Crypt type stuff. And uh, and you can actually get these in reprints now. Uh, they have a nice, really, really nice box set that I had seen. It's like got it's like a compendium of all the, the nice, and it looks beautiful. And I know, like when I was looking up information about this episode, that the the whenever you have the Crypt Keeper introduced it, and he's like fo- like flipping through the pages, the cover art you see is the actual cover from the original time that the story was told in Tales from the Crypt. So they take a lot of influence. I mean, directly from. The comic itself, so I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was. A, it's such a cool intro and everything too. I I love the Crypt Keeper, and uh, I just wish they would have had more of this. Like, I, I, it was like my bread and butter when I was a kid. Like, just having all of us around watching it as a family, it was just so cool, and it made me that much more creepy. Um, but you know, so uh, yeah. On that note, uh, there was actually supposed to be, yeah. Uh, they were they were trying to do another revival of this show. It didn't work out. That was they were trying to get that off the ground in like 2011. Yeah, and they couldn't get any steam behind it. And then in like 2016, um, M Night Shyamalan said that he was going to do another revision, and that didn't get like, yeah anything. <laughs> and and just, there was talks, but there was like rights issues or something. And it yeah. kind of fell apart. And then in the meantime. You had um, people like over at Shutter be like, "Well, we're going to do Creep Show, mm-hmm. and now that's you know that's been a lot of fun, and that's very much in this vein too." So, like anthology horror is still out there. Uh, I think it's stronger than ever, you know. And uh, a lot of people do have fond memories of the series. I, I do, I do, because it was supposed to be grown up, you know. And like um, some of the the escalating choices that are made in this episode, and we'll talk about it, do seem a little a little goofy. But it's like when you're watching, you know. Tales from the Dark Side on TV. It's like it, none like th- th- this was like oh well they're using language and you actually have some racy stuff going on that felt like grown up you yeah. know and that's I, I remember because we didn't have cable when I was growing up but Tales from the Crypt felt like that like that thing that you wanted to watch that you didn't have access to. It was a good time for uh, a, a weird kid and uh, <laughs> watching like regular broadcast television because I mean believe it or not was on I believe right before this as well so it was like really fun time to watch tv um and then so yeah also stemming from that there was a couple of like things that this had led into two movies that had happened so you had um a night demon night Night, and then later on you had uh birdello blood which was good i i originally had mentioned to terry that i was like you know if we weren't looking to do something like you know because we've been watching the season four of twilight zone and they're a little longer um like you could watch the episode we're about talk to you could watch it like Two and a quarter times, I think, by the time you get through one of these new ep- the season four episodes of Twilight Zone. And I was like, oh, I'd love to talk about Bordello of Blood. But I'm like, but that's like a 90 minute movie. So maybe later. I, yeah. I, 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 Bordello of Blood has some weaknesses, but there's a lot about that film I love. So I'd be willing to revisit it. But from what I remember about it, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but I'm willing to go. But back it has and Angie Everhart. And that's all I really want to talk about for 90 minutes is Angie Everhart. And 
Yeah, that's it's it. It's got and Corey Feldman in it. That's we, you, cool. Sure, sure. And you got squirt guns full of holy water. That's cool, you yeah. know. And the second best time to hear Ballroom Blitz in a film. There you go. <laughs> so, and then, uh, so, yeah. there was actually supposed to be a third installment too. There, there, there. Well, yeah, they tried. We there, there is another one like called the Ritual or something that yeah. was more like direct to video, uh, in terms of the tales from the the crypt um, movies. But there was supposed to be more of like uh, more sequels. There was actually not to get too much into that. At the end of Demon Knight, there's a direct reference to. I forget the name of the thing. It was like, not Dance of the Dead, but something like that. And it was supposed to be like a New Orleans zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that they were they were trying to get that off the ground, and they had to change this, uh, the storyline uh, here and there. Because it didn't it, really feel like Tales from the Crypt. And right. it's like, it wasn't campy enough, it, But if you watch it in Demon Knight, they, the, the, you have the Crypt Keeper directly reference it. And um, so the series never took off the way they wanted to for films. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about the TV series. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't know if you have any other information about the TV series before we get into this episode in particular. Not really. No, yeah, okay. that's, that's about it. I probably saw some of this scrambled as a kid, like just trying to flip through me like, Scramble. is that, is that the Crypt Keeper? Is that, is that a boob? I don't know. Like, you know, like you just told, either way I was going to be happy, you know? So, mm-hmm. all right. So again, this is a uh, season two, episode six thing from the grave. It, uh, air date was, uh, May 8th, 1990. Number one song, Sinead O'Connor's nothing compares to you. Um, thanks Prince. It's just great having whenever we go into the nineties, cover some of this stuff. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm old. Like I remember <laughs> like, uh, and then number one film was not Lawrence of Arabia. It was pretty woman, almost the same film. Um, okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to find day and date information from that actual like air date. The problem is, like, when you get like past a certain point, Wikipedia gets really weird about like stuff because the way because there's so much more access to content of that day, it's really hard to like pinpoint specific things. So what I found, I'm going to show this to Terry, and I'll put this on our webpage later. This is a magazine cover from that month that the episode came out. It's a, it's a magazine called Metallics with an X, and I want you to look at some of the band names that you see here. This is the hard rock. This is this was the cutting edge. Hard rock and metal that was going on at the this, time. This looks like Tiger Beat, but <laughs> for hair metal. Like you got Skid Row, you got Winger, Winger, come on, uh, Rat, Warrant. We got a uh, Trickster. Oh God. Uh, yeah, there's some high caliber Striper. Stri- stri- oh yeah, Striper to, to hell, hell with the, the devil. devil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on, man. And you got that hard rock heavy metal band Aerosmith right there. Um, <laughs> and what else do we have in here listed? Guns N' Roses, Baton Rouge, who? Uh, Def Leppard, Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Bang Tango, uh, Firehouse. I love their subs. Yeah. Uh, Urban Dance Squad. What? Love slash hate. Uh, House of Lords, uh, Living Color, Living Colors. I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, I Cult like the personality is a cool tune. Yeah, um, I like Skid Row and I like um, Rat. I mean, I know I'm I'm probably like pissing a lot of metalheads off there. But what but about I, what about Danger Danger? Uh, no, they're not good. Child's Play, yeah, <laughs> Queensrÿche. I like Queensrÿche. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying some of the stuff sweet. hasn't <laughs> aged okay. It's just that I love like like there's exclusive interviews with Brett Mi- uh, Brett Michaels and John Bon Jovi. Like you know, like so cool. <laughs> Brett, My- Brett Michaels, yeah, or is it? Yeah, I was like, I'm getting confused with Bret Hart. That's the wrestler. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what did you? Yeah. What did you see? That? I'll, I'll, I'll put this up for during the week of like, this is what came out whenever uh, we were talking about Tales from the Crypt. You know, so 
I thought that was funny. Uh, anyway, so I have no actual information from that day other than... You just made a, sure you brought something up metal. That yeah, I had to, right? Quote, so, unquote, metal. Metal. That, um, well, that was, that was like the... It, this was the fleeting time for hair metal too. Like the thing is, they didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 the Seattle thing was starting to bubble up, but everyone's bah, whatever. Like take a shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Because uh, I remember at the time, like Warrant uh, Sweet Cherry Pie was like the biggest thing in the world, you know. And it's like now you look back at it, you're like, oh, that no, that didn't age that well. No. But anyway, 1990, the decade that music changed kind of kind of a little bit, <laughs> about halfway through. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, let's get the cast and crew here. So, all right. So our our director is Fred Decker. And, uh, Fred Decker, you would know from doing. Uh, he wrote and directed Night of the Creeps and uh, Monster Squad. Yeah, and, and he also uh, wrote and directed uh, RoboCop Three. Not <laughs> not the good one. So. No, no. And he um, has a writing credit on um, the most recent Shane Black, the Predator film. Yeah, because uh, he and Shane Black work a lot together. Dude, that movie's good too. I don't. It care was. Anybody. It was okay. I don't. I, like, I don't care what anybody says. It's good. I mean, there's you know, some. There, I don't like some of the characters in it, but there's some good moments in it. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm not saying it like you could tell that thing gets heavily edited in the second half, but I don't mind it. It was fine. Um, I don't like saying that it's a Predator movie. It was fine. I don't like that. It but, was better than Predators. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Predators was perfectly okay until the ending when it didn't do anything. That's what I'll say about yeah. that. Yeah. So all and right. Anyway, he also wrote House. Do you ever see House? Uh, the the not the Japanese film. No, no, obviously. no. You're talking about the one that has um, Norm in it, right? Uh, yeah, from Cheers. Mm-hmm. I I think I've seen it. It's and been... the Great American Hero is in it too. Yeah, that's a good movie, man. You should check. Well, that William Cat is the Great American Hero, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So he wrote that. It's I I love that movie. That's one of those like hidden gems that you can actually find that pretty easily on YouTube. Well, yeah, as well. it was on Netflix there for the longest time too. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So that's good. Uh, and he also did uh, four other episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. He, he wrote those. And uh, so, yeah. And then uh, I had to put down the Crypt Keeper because, you know, it's John Kassir. He did the voice. And he's no, old. he's, a, he's a, like basically, I mean, he is. It's he the is Rod Serling of this, right? Like yeah. he's like he's the one in every episode introducing things. Uh, John Kassir, I looked up his work. He's He's been a voice in everything ever. It's but, ridiculous. Yeah, it's just that. But you can't associate the show without thinking about his portrayal of the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, he is such a cool dude, too. He, he does a lot of uh, conventions. Mm-hmm. And if you, you go up to him, you can leave you like your voice back message. Like when somebody calls you to leave a voicemail. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, he, he can't make it to the phone right now. <laughs> He's all tied up. It's really cool. So, That's funny. Yeah, he owes me $5 yeah. for this. Like what? Yeah. Apparently there was like a Knight Rider show after the fact of Knight Rider. It was called Team Knight Rider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did one of the voices of one of the cars. Dude, I just could, Please tell me it was like the Crypt Keeper voice, though. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, dude, I didn't even know this show existed. So. No, there was Team Knight Rider. It was like five cars, and yeah. then there was like Knight Rider 2000, and then there was, you know, uh, David Hasselhoff needs a job or whatever. Like, there was a lot of different yeah. Knight Riders. And it, like, p- people who probably don't listen to the show but probably know his voice and, like, Disney... He was in, he did a voice in Pocahontas, and I say voice kind of in quotations because he was uh, Miko, the little uh, uh, raccoon. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. I just I've never seen Pocahontas outside of Tales from the Crypt. I think that would be like the most well known thing that he had done. Hey, you got to get that Disney money. You got to get like you know get in there, get a character. They make they make uh, toys after you. Yeah. You get that money because he's going to be at Horror Hound coming up in Cincinnati. Nice. And on his advertisement on their page. 
they have Miko on there. A, <laughs> it's like, like, you know, Miko too. As opposed to the crypt. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, and so Miguel Ferreira, he was uh, Mitch in this episode and uh, he was in RoboCop. Uh, the original RoboCop. The original yeah. RoboCop. Uh, Twin Peaks, The Stand, and in three other episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. So um, he's got to admit, he was also two other episodes, huh? in, in the made for TV movie Project Alf. Which was like the finishing up the TV series because it was a cliffhanger. So, oh, okay. so great, you know. Uh, Deep Star Six, which is a fun, you know, just bottom of the ocean monster movie, and he actually is the character of, if I remember right, gets into an escape pod that's not pressurized. So as it goes closer to the surface, like he ends up like getting the bends and just like depressurizes and just explodes and turns the thing. into manwidge. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and yeah, like he's in so. I, I noted here he was in five episodes of Desperate Housewives just because Terry Hatcher's in this yeah. episode as well. And it's like, what, what was that working relationship like after this episode? Like, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm sure once everything said cut, he was probably like the nicest guy in the world. But it's like still a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I, everything I saw him in, he just plays a scumbag every Perfect time. Perfect scumbag. Yeah. It's like when you see Miguel Ferrer, you run. Yeah, like you just know something's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And he, yeah, he died too soon too. Like he, I mean, like literally in real life, he died too soon. It was yeah. a bummer. Yeah, his birthday was just uh, on the eighth. Yeah. So. so I love Miguel Ferrer. The moment I sh- saw him show up in this episode, I was super excited. Yeah, he plays the role so well. Yeah. I mean, like. I think he just like makes you just make you feel sick, you know, just looking at him and like the way he acts. So like such a scumbag, you were like, that's the guy that, yeah, that, that's, that the guy. that's the guy yeah. I need for the next role. You know, it was kind of like Sid Haig. He just plays a, he played a villain so well. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah. He's just one of those guys. That if you don't, if you don't know the name Miguel Herrera, you've seen him as many things. Yeah. So then we have Terry Hatcher as Stacy. Um, she was also in Tango and Cash. Tomorrow Never Dies. And of course, Desperate Housewives. 180 episodes, so it's like her biggest thing. But she was also in Lois and Clark, mm-hmm. the new adventures of like, you know, Superman or whatever. Um, 87 episodes. That was kind of like her big thing before Desperate Housewives. If I remember right, she was also a spokesperson for Radio Shack with Howie Long. I wonder how that turned out. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, That's Howie okay. Long, the star of uh, Firestorm. Like, <laughs> whatever. She was also the mother. She was the mother in Coraline. She was the mother and other mother. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. She was also in Supergirl as well for like six episodes. No, yeah. They brought, yeah. So the WB does a really good job of like, like folding in all of that. Yeah. So that's cool that they brought her back for that too. I like Terry Hatcher. I don't have anything like, I just, you know, just, I, I don't have anything negative to say about her. It's just, uh, you know, she, I, I was thinking about like, she, she has a boyfriend of Miguel Ferrer's character who's an asshole. I'm like, how was Superman in 87 episodes of Lois and Clark? It's like, was he worse than Miguel Ferreira? Because I could tell if, if Superman gets pissed off, I don't think you're going to stick around very long. Oh, <laughs> do I? Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I don't think you need to bring a. I don't think you need to bring a shovel. I think you need to bring like a dustpan. <laughs> like <you> just, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, don't piss him off. Yeah, right. So and then I have uh, Kyle Sikor. Yeah, I, it sounds. sounds I feel good. bad because he's the other main character of this, and I'm like, I don't know who this is. Um, I don't know if you know him from anything. Well, City Slickers. But <laughs> like, but was, was that a main part? Like, he's not Bruno Kirby, you know. It's no. not like it's, he's not Jack Palance or Billy Crystal, right? Like, um, uh, or, or other people in that film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he plays Daniel Stern. I named the other people that are of importance in that movie, right? Well, it, it was weird though. Like, all right, so what do you have as far as your notes of what the hell his name was in the show? Uh, Devlin Cates. Okay, so when I looked up his information, it said Devin. 
Oh, I thought I don't I'd... know what the hell that was all about, but I had my um, subtitles on for watching the the, the show, and it, she said Devlin, and I was like, "Oh, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than what the hell I'm reading." Because <laughs> I'm like, I thought it was like something wrong. Like I was hearing slurring. I thought maybe I was well, having I, a stroke. I, I wasn't sure. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe they don't even know what he, like he he matters so little at times. It's like, yeah, he's a Devin. He's a Devlin. Yeah. You know, he's an Evelyn, Evelyn Cates. I don't know. Uh, so he, his big claim to fame, other than being in Tales from the Crypt and also having the world's biggest glasses, uh, he was in um, he was in Homicide, Life on the Street, 122 episodes. So he was actually a main character in that series, which is, a, you know, you know, big deal. You get, you know, constant TV work. That's good. Uh, he was also in a point break knockoff called Drop Zone that dealt with um, like skydivers that would rob banks. And Wesley Snipes is in it. And I've not seen the film, but I need to see this film. And uh, um, Kyle Secord plays a guy named Swoop, who's like uh, this guy who's like all about like the extreme life, like the extreme swoop. swoop. Oh, my yeah. God. I need to see this film. This is like the the great value version of. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like, do you like Point Break? Have you tried Drop Zone? Yeah. The diet version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And the only other thing I have him in is uh, he did some uh, the Flash. No, yeah, and he he's still working. It isn't like this guy is like a bumming out the door. Like right. he's doing a lot of TV work. I'm sure he's fine. It's just I don't know him from anything, and I've not kept up with the Flash. So you think you know? Which I like that show. It's just WB right now is like, hey, did you like superheroes? What if we gave you 300 episodes a year? I'm like, I don't know if I can do this right now. It's a commitment. Um, so that's yeah, that's all I got for him. Yep, that me too. Um, after that, I mean, if you really want to know the other two people, I got them, but they weren't really that big of a deal. So I just want to mention, so Laird McIntosh, yeah. I just, I love the name. That's the Bohunk we'll talk Bo about Hunk. in a minute. Uh, he actually has a lot of work he's done after, so it's like, good on him. You know, like, yeah. this is one of his first roles. Uh, nothing I recognize. And then Cindy Regal, uh, she was the assistant uh, to uh, Kyle Secor's character of, uh, you know, Evelyn Cates. Uh, 11 total credits. Uh, just two episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Also a stand-in for Garth in Wayne's World. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I get it now. That's, that's not true, but I just made that up. You believe that, though, right? I get it. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> she looks like Garth's girlfriend in Wayne's World, too. <laughs> yeah. You just Bohunk is like, party down. She's like, party on. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's your cast, that's your crew. All right, so let's just uh, um, we'll let the crib keeper do the Sterling bit and let him introduce the the episode. So and just, again, you just got to appreciate uh, John Casier's just his voice work here, and the puns are terrible, but you know you know what you're getting into, and I love it. Oops! Looks like you caught the old crib keeper checking out one of his ghoulie magazines. <laughs> Which gives you a little hint about tonight's bedtime story. It's all about the way some guys just die over a pretty girl. But don't worry, kiddies. If it starts to reek a little of rotted romance, I think the title of our nasty narrative makes no bones about where its heart is really at. I call it The Thing from the Grave. Man, I hear a little bit of Mark Hamill's Joker in that too. Like, yeah, it's great. A little bit, yeah. Like, but, um, not that's not that's not like a negative, you know. Um, but yeah, he just gets right down to it. He just kind of like sets up the sto- the story. So, uh, since Terry, you picked this, and I'm feeling in a giving mood because you know it is Valentine's Day and you're my Terry Bear. You start it off. Okay, so we open up. Um, 
So, oh, and just a little feed into what happened in that little opening there. He's reading a magazine that says Play Dead on it. So it's like a knockoff Playgirl, whatever. Not Playgirl. Hopefully it's no. There's a girl on it. I um, Playboy. I I uh, just I want to step on one of my jokes I had for the end here. I was like that issue of Play Dead. The Crypt Keeper was reading. I actually had a great interview with uh, the corpse of John Lennon in it. I just want to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed Cause you, up. Because you would read Play Dead for the articles with the dead with the dead celebrities, right? Not the not the not the goalie picks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so um, so we open up and there's a there's Devlin. He's driving in the car and he's he's going down like a a, a, a wooded area, like it's all woods around him and down this r- road. And he seems kind of upset. He's he's banging on the steering wheel and he's come on, come on, and he gets to the end of the road finally. And there's a cabin, and in front of the cabin is Mitch, Mitch, uh, Miguel Ferreira's character, just standing there. And he gets out, and he says, you know, where is she? Is she okay? Oh, she's better than you. And Miguel holds up, well, Mitch is, Mitch holds up a gun. You can just call him Miguel Ferreira for the rest of the yeah. episode. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Honestly, they weren't even calling him no, Mitch. M- Mitch Ferreira. If you Mitch Ferreira. There we go. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, like, I just, I, the music and that leading up to whenever uh, Devlin's driving around, it reminded me, and people can throw throw stones at me for me saying this, it reminded me of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, the, da, 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 like this very, like, eager driving down a dark road. And then I also like the fact that, like, Devlin's looking at handwritten directions. I'm like, what year? Oh, it's 1990 like <laughs> like he doesn't even have like map quest to go off of God, like, i can't even remember that time anymore man it's oh. like it's like a dark time it's like it, it feels like the dark ages you know like i have i have a, a navigation system in my car I mean, like my car is like over 10 years old so it's not like anything fancy but it's like i almost now forget how to go to basic places now and i'm like oh wait i live here i know where this should be at i'm like nope i gotta put it in like gotta put in the navigation the gps to, to handwrite directions now, I, I, I think, I, you know, even if it would be like, Paul, you need the surgery, you need to go to hospital. Here's the directions. I'll be like, I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to gonna die. die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at your phone, you can get a ticket. What if you're looking at handwritten directions on how the hell to get somewhere? So you're reading still. Yeah. Do you get a ticket? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, listen, I'm looking at my Palm Pilot, you know. It's Palm like, Pilot, yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. That's a bad joke. All right. So, uh, so yeah, so Devlin's trying to figure out where she is. And we don't know who she is yet, but um, so Mitch. Uh, I like when whenever Miguel steps forward out, like, out of the shadows, but his face is still covered in shadows, but his eyes, like, it's a good, like, Fred Decker knows how to, to frame a scene. Like, it's, it's, it's that very, like, film noir, like, hard-boiled, but it's like you, his face is cast in shadow, but you see his eyes. Yeah, like, stark. I, you can tell. I, I like it. It's yeah. cool. You you already know that this guy means trouble. Yeah, he, he, honestly, the casting's done well because Miguel just looks like a seedy dude, anyways. Yeah, like so. I said, the moment you see Miguel Ferrer, you just take that car, you just drive away. Right. Like, you know. So anyway, so he uh, he goes ahead and he shoots uh, Devlin in the shoulder, and he says, "Was that the shoulder that she used to cry on?" And then he goes and shoots him in the other, and maybe it was that one. <laughs> it's like. And at this point, Devlin knows that he's like he's screwed. He's got to get the hell out of well, there. But how strong is Devlin's shoulders? Like I don't he, know. like I, I get like you're taking a slug in the shoulder. Like like I'm talking like I've done this. But it's like I'm pretty sure the first one's going to put you on your knee. Like, Dude, you know? That's a nine millimeter. The the back of his shoulder is going to be blown out. But so, we're also talking about 
fictional. But yeah, but you so you're, you're talking like you're talking like a teacup size explosion out of the back of his shoulder at least, right? Like oh, yeah. it's going to be, you know, like so he he should have arms that are just lying limp, right? Like again, not that's not this episode, but it's yeah. like it's like did he just like have his milk that day? Is like extra dense bones? Yeah. Like he just he's like oh my second favorite shoulder oh my favorite shoulder. I guess I'm going to run away now. <laughs> well, it's like that scene in Ace Ventura when nature calls and he gets the the, the, the spear and like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like flailing his arms yeah. around because there's no feeling in either one of them. Yeah. yeah. That would essentially be where he but, would. Yeah. I just, I was like good on Devlin for having the world's strongest shoulders, you know, um, you know, Mitch didn't plan on that. <laughs> right. So the fact that he can actually run away like coherently uh, yeah. in some sense, because he's probably going into shock at this point. I mean, I'm also putting a lot too too much thought into this. It's fiction. Either way. So he runs into the woods, not back to his car, not to drive away, but he runs into the woods. And he upon like a grave, he trips. So um, at this point, now uh, Mitch is on top of him. Yeah. And he was like, the whole thing is like, uh, it's like, what about the Bible? Like, you know, he's like, sorry. He's like, he's like, oh, I can't have a headstone, but you remember the Ten Commandments are carved on stone, and what about the one about thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife? And he was like, well, and, and Devlin's like, well, you guys aren't married. And he's like, we will be soon. And he's like, but what about thou shalt not kill? And I love Mitch Ferrer's pause. Mitch Ferrer. Miguel <laughs> Ferrer's pause, where he's just like... He didn't even put that much thought into him. He's like, oh, I had this whole monologue set yeah, up. Yeah, and, and he's like, like screw ah, it. Whatever. Boom, boom, you know, like... I, I just love that pause, and then the F-bomb is dropped. Yeah. He just shoots him and throws him in the grave and then covers it all up, and that's that. Yeah, so then we cut to the next scene, which is a flashback. Uh, they don't even put a timeline on it. They don't say when when this was, if it was what, how many days before or whatever. We just know that it's before because now we see Devlin doing a photo shoot with Stacy. Yeah, and I wrote my notes here. Uh, you, you now see Terry Hatcher in Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That's what I said. Yeah, like holding very, the spear gun. Very sleazy 90s looking at. Like, you know, uh, if people don't know that film, look it up. It's amazing. Uh, but I, there's this nice orange backdrop. It looks like a sunset. She's there. She's a model. Has like a wetsuit type top on. And she has a harpoon gun. I was just really frustrated that the harpoon gun, I was waiting for it to pay off. Like, it's Chekhov's harpoon gun. You need a harpoon gun to do something. It does nothing. That's my biggest frustration with this episode. Uh, but then you see Devlin like with this huge ass camera taking photos, and I think that explains his shoulders because that camera looks really heavy. But he's taking all <laughs> these glamour shots of her and like the product that looks like this this bohunk of a guy holding like a like a beverage, and you know it's very nineties cheesecake. It looks like Sapporo, like the beer. You know, yeah. I think it's a beer advertisement. Which, yeah, because at one point, um, he says something to the effect of, "Oh, he's like they love him in Japan," and I love that they they he nods over and there's four Japanese businessmen. And I looked at my wife while watching this, so I was like, "That must be Japan right there." Like he's. Like, <laughs> It's just those four guys. There's like, a Japanese embassy back here. It's just literally that, that's Japan. They're like they love it. He's like, can we do? Like, oh, thanks, thanks, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not too far fetched because it, like I've seen a lot of advertisements that are done in Japan. They get like some cool looking. Like I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a lot of advertising and Nicholas Cage did too for like yeah. a pachinko machine. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. they were hilarious. Actually, I've seen a lot of these commercials and these like. Uh, one one-off prints of like advertisements. They're hilarious. So that's it, the guy Bohunk. They call him. He apparently is big in Japan. So they're doing the shoot for him and this product. 
and I, I just have to like go to what his line is. He's holding it in his left hand, the product, and he's like, "Hey, you know, uh, I just think I'm supposed to be with these hot chicks and everything. And why don't I put it in my right hand? You know, like party down. Like, like none of it makes sense, right. but to him, it's like a revelation. Yeah, uh, like." Uh, he, he just looks like the biggest goofus in the like, world. Have, have you been around people where it's like, you think you're being super serious right now? What you're saying is ridiculous. Like, have you ever been around that? Um, Dude, I go to Wasteland. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, my uh, years ago, I was dating a girl and she told me a story about how like her and her sister sitting at a table and they're like eating, like, you know, eating dinner, but eating soup. And her sister said, she's like, you ever realize how like spoons don't give you too much soup and like not enough soup, but like, the exact amount of soup. <laughs> it was like and she, very analytical. And, about- she, and she said she had to do everything in her power to not be like, you're an idiot. Like in front of like, <laughs> like in front of her family. Cause it's like, there was like, you're hefty, but it was like, yeah. Have you ever noticed how this utensil that has been developed over time is meant to, to give you a specific like amount of something? You know, <laughs> That's fun. I would I wish yeah. I could have seen that. I've, I've dude, I've had these moments. Trust me when you drink and sometimes you get a little too drunk you say some stupid things. Well, yeah, I know. I just been like, you know, the suit, the spoon, it only holds a certain amount. Of, you know, but you know what? Party down. Like, Party just- down. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so back back to uh, Devlin shooting the scene. He's like, okay, whatever. And he continues to do his shot. But now you see Mitch walk in the scene, and Mitch is kind of like over Devlin's shoulder. He's looking. Yeah. All right. Now he goes in. and He talks to Terry Hatcher's character, Sarah uh, Stacy. And uh, apparently he just interrupts the shoot. He, yeah, he just walks right yeah. into it. Devlin's like holding his camera up, like, "Okay, hey, excuse me, yeah, excuse me." And he says, "Yeah, you know." He just motions to him, like, "We're doing the thing here." So Miguel, God, I keep on doing it. Whatever, Mitch. Mitch walks out. Mitch go. Yeah, he watch. He walks back behind the line of shot, and uh, he says, "Oh, isn't she hot?" And uh, Devlin's like, uh, okay, yeah, I guess. Uh, and who are you? He's like, well, I'm Stacy's manager. He's like, I'm Mitch Bruckner, manager, fiance, cigarette smoker. He doesn't say the last yeah. part, but it's clear. Yeah, because that's always good to do when you're taking shots, you know, like having cigarette smoke all around, real hazy and everything. Yeah, shoulder shooter. They'll come and like they'll they'll show up later. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do some shots with you later. Uh, but yeah, so he's like. I really hate arm day. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so it, it, Devlin kind of like feeds into it just a little bit in that. And he's like, well, you know, I, I think that maybe you should go get a cup of coffee. Yeah, because he's like, well, you're proud of her. And she wants and she's like, she wants to do like do good work. Yeah. And then he's like, well, and then but he says something weird. He was like, we're really under a t-, uh, he's like, we have a little bit of time pressure here. I'm yeah. like. That's that's not a thing to like. You could say time crunch or under pressure, but he's like, we're under a little time pressure here. I'm like, I've never heard that before. He's but, probably kind of flustered too. I don't. I don't fair. think that's a thing that they're trying to per, like. Project, no, he's throwing but, off his game a little bit because Mitch is just coming in. Like Mitch is this guy that like it, no, nothing matters to him other than what he wants. So he's going to interrupt a photo shoot right. just to show possession of her and let everybody know that he's a power like, play. He's like the big dick son of a bitch that's here. And, right. like, and, and, and he also has in his head that he already seen 
thinks that uh, Devlin's been flirting with her, which there was a little bit before Mitch showed up about her being like, I like being like hot and holding a harpoon gun or whatever she says something. You no know, party down. I shouldn't say. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says, uh, isn't this better than being on a, a beach and getting all sweaty? And she's like, well, sometimes I like to get all sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it sure. was. That was my best Terry Hatcher voice. So hopefully you get, <laughs> I'm Terry doing Terry. Terry, Hatcher. Terry with the Y Hatcher. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, but, uh, so uh, yeah, so he, he basically, uh, tells Mitch, Hey, you know, take a hike so we can do the scene. So she's not so nervous in that. And Mitch says, you know, I think I, you're the one that's making her nervous because you've been hitting on her the entire time here. And he's like, I got an idea. He's like, why don't you lube up this camera, this really long lens and stick it up your ass. You know? <laughs> it's like that escalated. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. got like he instantly wanted to go from like zero to I'm gonna kill you, dude. And yeah. like do the power play. He really wanted to set a precedence for what Terry Stacy's character is there for and how he controls her. Yeah. So then um at that point he just marches off and then Devin's like, Let's just take five. He's like, I love that guy, I love him. You know, <laughs> like yeah. he's trying to play it off. But then um, so he goes over to Stacy and it's like, I don't did you hear he was like He's like, ah, he seems like a nice guy. He's like, you know, it's like, he's like, he seems like a real, like a real bum. And it's like, he's saying bomb, mm-hmm. but he's like, he sounds like a real bum. That's about ready to go off. I'm like, how do bums go off? And I'm like, oh, he didn't say bum. He said bomb, but it's a weird way he said the line. Yeah. It's like, I think he kind of screwed the line a little bit there. Yeah, He was under a little bit of time pressure for the scene pressure. though to get through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he does this whole thing too of like, well, you know, if something's going to happen, well, here's a key. I have a studio. There's like a bunk bed and some hungry man dinners in there or whatever he says. And my collection of denim jeans and, you know, <laughs> my, my other large glasses are in there on the world's smallest TV. Just if you want to go in there, it's fine. No big deal. You know, and she takes the key. Yeah. And a, a stack of play dead, you know? play dead magazines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and some tissue. Um, oh, yeah, oh, anyways. Uh, so yeah, so he he says, "Hey, if if you have any trouble with him, feel free. He hands her a key. You know, if you need anywhere to go, and he's getting rough. Would you come here?" And he just kind of leaves it at that, or at least the scenes ended at that. So the next scene, we see it's it's nighttime now. Um, it's dark out, uh, and uh, Devlin is sleeping on his chair. He was watching TV. And all of a sudden, he hears the door open to his place. And who walks in but Stacy? Yeah. And so as that's happening, when I was watching with my wife, she's like, oh, well, that seems nice enough. He's offering like a key to the studio. And I'm like, I think he means his apartment. You know? And then then it's like, that happens. I'm like, yeah, he wouldn't just be hanging out in his studio and be like, oh, look at my tiny TV and my lonely man dinner or whatever. Like, Oh, you know, it's like, no, it's his pad. In 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 any other storyline, I would think this would be a skeezy kind of scene. Like, Hey baby, I see you got a problem with this guy over here. Take my key. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's okay. What happens next is a bit ridiculous. It's supposed to be like this, like suddenly they're both in love type thing. But so tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. So they, they have this little back and forth. He stands up. He he puts his foot on the switch that turns on this like backdrop. That's a photo shooting backdrop. Is it not the same backdrop they were using in the previous scene? Like that orange sunset. It definitely was. So were they shooting in his apartment I earlier? Think, I think that's where it was. Honestly, because it's a big open studio like setting. Yeah. And then. I don't. I think they just wanted to keep it all one shot, and I. I am imagining that they're in like New York or something like that, where it has to play dual purpose. Well, and that's fine. It just feels weird to me. It's like here's a key to my studio, as opposed to here's a key to here. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I roll away the chair and all the, you know, like all the, the single like serving food stuff during the daytime when I have the hot model chicks over, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. It just seems weird. It's like, just say this is where you live. It's okay. No one cares, you know, but I'm pretty sure it's the same place. Yeah, he sweeps all of the bass, empty bass bottles under the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just Milwaukee's best because that's all he can handle. Well, you know, I, it's like, you know, he's I like, was he's funny. Bars. I saw a bass. Like I, I was like, oh my god, I haven't seen bass beer in the longest time. He was drinking a bass. So I like beer. I knew. I noticed a bass. I used to drink it. So, anyways, <laughs> back. Well, to, no, I, I didn't pick up on that. Good call. Yeah. So. I like beer. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, he, he presses that button and they go into well, this. Well, you're, you're currently drinking a beer called Truth, which I think is the Mayan beer god of truth. I think that's where we're going with this. So it I think it's appropriate. It's, yeah. it's appropriate. Like, not to spoil the episode. Not the same talisman but, but, that's but, on uh, here. But, but Terry made a, made a promise while holding the beer that he was going to be drinking with tonight. me through this whole episode <laughs> of no matter what happens. So yeah. So yeah, they, they have this like, it, so there is a nice shot and silhouette of them. Like I like, it's a cool looking shot. It's a nice yeah. shot. It's again, every nineties romance cover, like type of like, you know, thing. And it's, it works because Terry Hatcher's a very attractive woman and, and then you have him, but whatever, that's fine. Like you get, you know, like whatever, there's a connection. And then like, but then as they're getting ready to embrace, he goes to like, you know, like was, I think it's either he goes to put the necklace on her. Yeah, he does. He puts the necklace on her, like this big clunky. Yeah, he necklace. says, I, "I have something I want to give you." He, they actually they embrace for a moment, but yeah. he kind of stops. He says, "I want to give you something," and he pulls this necklace off of himself and he starts to put it on her. And he says, uh, "A blind lady gave this to me," and then it's supposed to be um, it, the Mayan god of truth. I okay, but it's a, it's a talisman of some yeah. sort, a big gold medallion. I think I have written down here word for word. It's like now I want to give this to you. An old blind lady gave this to me. She said it was the mind god of truth, and if you make a promise while holding it, no matter what, you're going to keep that promise. And it made me think of the um oh the Jane Seymour, uh like the 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 Jared's like little double heart pendants that she sells, like the entwined. Uh, you know, you've oh. not seen them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like I have something to give you. I bought this at my local Jared's. It's entwined <laughs> hearts. That means that they beat as one. <laughs> like <laughs> then you got to know it's serious because I went to Jared's. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like that high school. Like here's my ring. Here's my promise. I I promise one day to give you another ring that's more expensive than this ring. Yeah. But yeah, this thing this thing is clunky. It's, Dude, a, it's, it's yeah. massive. It was like I, I felt like I was looking at like MC Hammer, like with <laughs> yeah, that g- yeah. giant necklace. Like Flavor Flames, like that's that's a bit big, you know. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, so, but the, I like the whole backstory of like you know, like a blind woman gave this to me. It's like what? Why is that pertinent to this? I don't know. And I, also, I want to see that story. Like, well, how did you come across this thing? Yeah, yeah, the blind lady thing was like. Okay, I don't care where you I, I get it. You got to have the spooky backstory. You yeah, know? it's it's. I mean, the Tales from the Crypt is pulpy and it's fine. Yeah. Like, but the Mayan God of Truth, you know. So it's yeah, cool. So. It's a cool concept, you know, and it, it, it's it's a way to carry into the next part of the story. So, yeah. and um, yeah, he as he's putting it on her, he notices a giant bruise like on her right shoulder. Yeah, and. Uh, she shies away and she kind of walks towards we, the window. We know that uh, Mitch doesn't like shoulders. This is this is foreshadowing of the shoulder trauma that's coming later. <laughs> and uh, it all comes around. I mean, yeah. you could laugh, but it's I I know what's up with this. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna find out Fred Decker just hates shoulders. That's right. gonna be a running thing. Uh, and so he goes. 
uh, she goes and walks away towards kind of the window to kind of ponder everything that's going on. Thinks it's a little much for her. She definitely didn't want him to notice the bruise, even though she was wearing a very loose top. <laughs> That's buttoned down to like probably like the last three. I, I but feel, anyways, I feel bad for Terry Hatcher because she isn't really given anything to do this entire episode other than look pretty and be distressed, and that's frustrating because I know she's capable more than that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's just she is the, the for someone that's trying to give her a necklace of a promise. So he's trying to hand her an object to state how he feels. She is an object that he wants to possess the entire time. It's the same object that Mitch wants to possess. So that's frustrating to me. You know. It is. I mean, I, I, I get... Come on, 1990, Tales of the Crypt. Get woke. Get woke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, like, in, in the same hand, though, it's just like, you know, it's a reach out. Like, he sees that she's really going through something that she doesn't even know how to escape. You see people that are victimized, and they don't quite know how to get I, out yeah, of their yeah, situation. I'm not saying that he's not trying to do the right thing. It's just that, you know, he... you know. He is a photographer. He is around beautiful women all the time. You 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 don't really ever get to know his true motives in that sense. I yeah. mean, not that I'm saying. And for all for all intents of this episode, he's a nice guy. He's not like a sleaze ball. I mean, Mitch tries to paint him that later, but you don't know his true intent. So they don't give him enough time to be anything other than what we see. Yeah. So I, I'll give you that. Yeah, this episode gets right to the meat. Uh, yeah. it's like I think that up to this point, we could have had it like be a little bit longer of a storytelling to really suss out who he is and like his intentions and like what's going on with her but we're getting to the meat and that's that's yeah. no big deal i mean like i said like before we were we put on the mics that in a comic uh setting this would have worked out really well you well know? and then you already got the ticking clock of you already know that it's not gonna end well between him and mitch right. so the 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 pieces have to fall in place quickly for you to get back to the point of him getting shot exactly so 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 anyways um so he comes over and he tries to reassure her that it, everything's going to be all right from this point and um when she turns around he grabs a hold of the talisman and he 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 essentially says whatever goes on whatever whatever you need I'm going to be there no matter what yeah I promise and so then they kiss or whatever, and then uh, you end up finding out that Mitch is like in a car across the street recording all of it. Did you see? Did you see he was hanging out with Spuds McKenzie yeah, in the car? Dude, I, <laughs> I said that to my wife too. I was like Spuds McKenzie, and I was like, oh, he knows everybody in this town. Yeah, like, like, she she of course had no idea what the hell I was talking about. I was like, you know, the target dog. <laughs> no, 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 Spuds McKenzie. I I know, I he know Spuds McKenzie. Party down, party down. <laughs> <laughs> that dog was the coolest dude. Back in like early '90s yeah. advertising. Oh, I had I, I had Spuds. a Spuds McKenzie shirt. You had Hell to have, yeah. A, yeah. And I wore it to church the one day, and everyone told me no. <laughs> yeah. Forget the frogs, man. The Budweiser frogs. It was Spuds Spuds McKenzie. Spuds McKenzie. First. Yeah. He was the coolest dog in the world. Yeah, I mean, kind. Of, I mean, kind of a black mark on his record. He's hanging out with uh, Mitch, but you know, we maybe he didn't know what Mitch was up to. You don't know, you know. Like, but I like the the, the bull terrier. This is a bull terrier, right? Is yep. that the breed? It's like that's in that like he's there for a second it's like it's almost like you know like that's fred decker's dog he's like i gotta get him in here you know, know like, yeah there was like he didn't pet the dog it wasn't like he like talked to the dog. No. i don't know it made no sense but, I, I love it i but, love seeing like we don't it's probably not spuds mckenzie but i was but, really happy to see it's probably stunt double like yeah. his uh his body double for certain shots you know so yes yeah there you go there you go we didn't, we didn't even talk about him in the cast and crew but yeah <sighs> damn <laughs> so anyway that was Bohunk. 
That was, was Bohunk, that yeah. was him in his natural form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, Bohunk was actually standing for Spuds McKenzie for quite a bit. So then, at that point, um, we we know that that uh, Mitch knows, and then uh, we cut to um, uh, Devlin bringing groceries in, which I made the joke about, like the six foot long baguette. Like that is the most stereotypical paper bag full of groceries because you have to have a piece of bread jutting out of the top. I'm surprised there wasn't a piece of like like a fruit or a vegetable just falling out, yeah. you know. But he's like, "Oh, oh, the phone's ringing. I gotta go catch it before the answering machine gets it." I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is 1990." Yeah, let's take you in the way back machine when there was there was answering machines for phones. Like this yeah. is a concept that a, I don't think a lot of people either remember or know what the hell we're talking about. There was a separate machine outside of your phone <laughs> that when it rang like three or four times or whatever. It would pick up and on a tape would record the message. So he picks it up right at the instant that the answer machine picks it up as well. So we'll that's just, actually important to the story. That yeah, is very yeah. important to the story. Yeah, I just I I, I was going to put my notes here. I think I think I forgot about it, but it's like oh, it's like oh, answer machines. It's like that's what we used to do when we didn't want to actually talk to people face to face. Like we'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, no, I want to talk to you. Oh yeah, it's just oh, I was here, I was here the entire time. Yeah, don't question my friendship. You want to talk? Well, <laughs> like, it was even cooler, cooler. It, it kind of silly and works out really well for movies back in like the 80s and 90s is that um, it would pick up and you could actually hear somebody like talking through the machine. Like it was audible. You could hear it. So yeah. it's like somebody be like, hey, Paul, Paul, hey, I, I know you're there, dude. You're like, pick up the phone. Like, this is terrible. I'm like, oh, God damn it. I got to pick up the phone. You know, I know like, he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that like the gag in like um, the cable guy? Isn't that the whole thing whenever yeah. he's yeah. calling like Matthew Broderick and he's mm-hmm. like, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. It's like that was the tail end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of glad that we're past that, but there is also something like, I don't know about you. This is, I don't want to drag this episode out longer. Um, the older I get now, the more I do not like talking on the phone. Right. Like, I don't know if it's just because of where we're at technology wise, but it's like the prospect of me calling someone unannounced is terrifying to me now. But growing up, you had no idea what people were doing unless you called them. Right. Like, I had a rule in my household that I wasn't allowed to call anybody until ten, like until after ten in the morning because people might be asleep. You know. So like for, for it was like this whole thing. Like my mom's like, don't go harassing people early in the morning. See where like where your friends are at. But yeah, that was the whole thing too. It's like you would you would also do the game too of like, oh, it's the answer machine, and be like, hey, you there? Like, <laughs> like you just you you would just think people were just screening calls. You know. Yeah. Like, phones phones now that you're able to do so much more with them. They're, people barely use them for their initial intent. Like when I see somebody calling me, I'm like, that can't possibly be one of my friends. Yeah. It can't. This is not an important call. I know it. Like how many phone numbers do you have memorized? Uh, mine. Yeah, right? Like, so if I ever get in trouble, I can call me. But I'm already in trouble, so who am I going to call? Yeah, I barely barely remember my wife's. And uh, <laughs> yeah. 911, I got that one. Well, no, that one's fair. <laughs> that one's fair. You know, and um, we can call uh, Jenny. That's, uh, it was 8675309. Yeah. yeah, that's that one I know, you know. And, and anybody um, in a movie, 555. Something. Like 1 800 carpets, I think is the other one, you know. Uh, anyway, so. Yeah, we're going to get that keep on going with that joke if we keep on talking about it or we can just call uh what was his name um freaking carrot top was what 800 collect we can call him that's about it do you remember that I remember the garfield one two never mind i'm like <laughs> i'm just gonna stop uh, yeah. we're in cleveland so we i have like number jokes too so never mind so so yeah we um 
we get to the scene where he picks up, he picks up the phone and uh, it's Mitch on the other line. And he says, hey, Stacy's in trouble and she doesn't want to talk to me, but I think that you can reach her. And he's like, well, what's wrong? He's like, just shut up. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm trying to pretend, just stop talking. Yeah. Just stop. I'm, oh, I'm oh. reading a script. Yeah. He's, like, he's still trying to have control even in this phone call. Like he really wants to make all the calls. Like. Yeah. And, like every sequence is got to be under his control now. What well, I like, how he's just like, Oh, I'll give you directions to my cabin. You got like pen and paper or whatever. And it's like, and then it cuts to what the beginning of the episode, but I want to point out, I wonder what the directions were. It was like, you just take 30 miles on the highway, 15 minutes uh, down a roadway. Uh, if you pass the open grave, you've missed my place. <laughs> like just, you know, just keep driving. You're going to find a cabin, but it's the one cabin with the open grave. The other one, not, it's not my cabin. People get confused. Like, I feel like that would have been the direction. It's like, you know, it's it's really out of the way. You know, like, not near any. If you uh, smell neighbors. fresh earth being moved, you're near. You're nearby. You're near. <laughs> like, and, yeah, fresh earth and gunpowder. Yeah, it's like gun oil. If your shoulders start getting a little like if they get so sore, you're getting close. You know, yeah. like yeah. So yeah, then um, so then we 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 do the, the we whole quick catch the up to what's going yeah. on with you know, Mitch shooting him and burying him and all that stuff, and then it, um, then you know, like I like um, I, I want to point out that. After uh, Mitch covers up the grave and is kind of looking at his work, one, he's not sweaty, so that's amazing. And two, Miguel Ferreira looks at this covered grave as if Miguel Ferreira, this is not the first time he's covered a grave. Like, like I want to, hey. I don't want to know what Miguel Ferreira did in his life that this is an easy look for him. Like, yeah, he's pretty chill about it. He yeah. just like pulls out a smoke, lights it up. Sits that's here it? for a second, and that's it. That's the end of that part of the sequence. I'm going to guess that was an improv, and, and Fred Decker's like, what are you doing? He's like, no, just like, he's like, I've done this. Just let me have this moment. You know, like, we do a pan out. You looking like a douche, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Cut. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we wrap up that scene, and we go into the future. We're not quite sure how much into the future, but- One week after. Yeah. Well, we find that out after their conversation, but- Yeah, sorry. So, that's, yeah, just, yeah, that's okay. Um, I ruined it. Oh, spoiler. Anyways, so we're in, I assume it's Mitch's place because there is a gigantic picture of Stacy on the wall. I mean, this thing is massive and there's neon around it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if um I didn't know if that was actually his place or her place because she is a model. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like this place looked like I just ever it, I don't know. It's very 90s in the sense of like there's neon. There's that big picture of her. Le- it's leather like, couches. Not, none of that place looks, none of that, nothing in the apartment looks like a place that you would actually stay in. No. So that feels, I don't know. It was weird. Not homey. More no. like uh, you would do it for like a uh, shooting for like a, a, a furniture Or company. parties to have people come over and be like, oh, you have an entire neon thing to Terry Hatcher. Like, oh, you're you know? a douche? I'm yeah. a douche too. Yeah. Give me some cheese. Um, Give me some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some, do you have baguettes? I, I know a place. Like, <laughs> give me a minute. Ice cream's ruined over there, but I can get you a baguette. Yeah. So uh, so Mitch comes into, into the apartment, and he says, oh, still can't get a hold of him, right? Well, you know, he tries to convince her that this guy, I've seen guys like this. He played you. He doesn't he's, care about he you. He gaslights the hell out of her yeah. where he looks sincere, and he's like, well, you're trying to reach that photographer. And it's like, and like she's like, yeah, but he's different. And it was one of the lines I didn't I write down for word for word. It's like, well, what makes him different? And she's like, he said things. Yeah. And I was like, 
like mouth words out of his face hole. Like, like it just like it's like what what are you saying? It's like he said things like yeah, nice things. Yeah, but it's, it was not great dialogue. I guess for her he's not used to like hearing things. Yeah, know? he said things. <laughs> um, yeah. so, but you know, he's he's he alludes to the fact that he knows something, and she takes the bait. Like, he what? makes it. He makes it appear to her that she's given everything away whenever he knows he's in control. Like he's playing her like a violin, and it's this whole time where he's like, "Well, he, you know, I know I've messed up. I love you. I, it's probably too late to say that, but you know, I really want to make things work. And let's just put like, if he reaches out to you, you go do you go do you. But if he doesn't, then I think we should give this another chance. It's if like, he doesn't do you, is that you, know, you do you? You know, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. You if, he yeah, yeah okay. if he doesn't do you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he Devlin tried. You know, I don't know, but um, so. It's this whole thing of this basically being like, well, if he reaches out to you again, I understand, but he probably won't because he's probably off with like some nineteen-year-old model in Paris or something. Yeah, he sees, like, he sees girls like you all the time. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he, he really is leading her to to this basic failure that she's built up. You know, like she yeah. thinks she thinks that there's something more there. And he's trying and, to paint it. And, and and she's right, but he's gaslighting the whole thing of right. like, don't you think this is what he does for his job? He, you know, like, and don't you think that if it, was, if it was important enough, he would have called you? Like, while he knows this guy's rotting in a shallow grave, yeah. you know, near his cabin. Yeah. It's like, and, and, and credit to Miguel Ferreira, like, he... He, he he spins it the right way where you where you know he's being a jerk, but the way he plays it to her, you see like this fake sincerity. It's like and that makes it worse. Like amazing, like how he plays it. So yeah, I, you know, bad bad kind a bad guy like heel turn like oh I'm 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 okay. We're good. Let's just repair this kind of thing. Yeah, and he's like you can keep on contacting him, but you got to give us another chance when you don't hear from him. You know, it's like man you scum you know it's like and it's just like it's all a part of his plan but you know that that plan has many more facets like he's if something falls through he's already got a plan for it so which is weird because then he didn't actually think it all the way out until she figured out shit right so she ends up going to uh to uh devlin's place yeah she still has a key yeah, to his studio. Then she goes and sees uh, the groceries and the tip off is that the ice cream's all melted. And then she looks over and the answer machine has a message. And she goes to hit play and then she hears the entire exchange or she starts to about like what happened. And then at that point, Mitch is suddenly in the apartment, which you think he would have scrubbed it beforehand and actually investigated. But maybe he didn't know where Mitch lived. But then I don't know. Like, I don't. Did the, he like appears behind her like candy? Yeah, he's just like, like he's right I'm on. there. Yeah. yeah. Like. Just somebody say asshole three times. I'm right here. You know. (laughs) So yeah, he takes her. He kidnaps her. uh, And in the next scene, we see that she is tied down to a bed in the cabin that that we had seen earlier. And she's just in a nightgown or whatever. And she's tied down. She has tape on her mouth. Um, And he he basically alludes to the fact that he is going to kill her. But he wants to have some fun still. Yeah, and it's like it's just all wrong. It's you just, know, it's, it's wrong. gross, man. Yeah. It makes you hate his character that much more. And he's you know he's pulling out some rope from his briefcase and is loading his gun and everything. And then he he takes off his sh- he's starting to take off his shirt and he yeah. rips a tape off of her face. Well, because then she's screaming for help and she's like, he's like, oh, by the way, I, I, I want to back up, though. Do you think that briefcase full of stuff he has? Do you think he just has that as like a to go bag in his car all the time? Like at the ready? He's like, got to have my rape rope. Got to have my gun. Got to yeah. have a pack of cigs. You know, got it. You know, 
You got to have some sunglasses because you got to look good while doing all this, you know. It, it's sick to even think that, but I think that's kind of what it was. Like he, like I said, like he kind of had a plan for this all through the beginning. Like he, like in he his thought, cabin, he has various rooms and he just like hits the wall three times and a rope falls out. Like he's yeah. just, uh, anyway, he's that scum. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so he's basically being like, you know, like you could crawl you want to your 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 knight shining armor. I killed him a week ago, and he's in a grave nearby. And he's he's pretty exciting tell excited telling her this like because there's something to be had in like the deliciousness of watching her crumble yeah you know like that's what he wanted you know is that power absolute control it, yeah, yeah you can see that it's like he has like a smirk every time he's saying it too it's like yeah. your boyfriend's dead and he's buried out there so you can scream all you want and it's like dude you're so ugh, you're so sleazy and it's like but she as she was screaming and everything. As soon as you hear those screams, it pans like out to the like the woods. Yeah. And it shows that shallow grave that he uh the devilin was buried in. And all of a sudden a hand bursts through the ground. Yeah, so Devlin's back, um, and he's starting to go towards the cabin and you hear the noises and uh um <laughs> my like the effect is good. We'll talk about like the makeup effect, like the practical effect's good with like the maggots coming out of the eyes. My only thing is two was two things. One would he look that bad after a week in the ground? Um, I, I don't know. So. Okay. Yeah. Two, I wish you would put the glasses back on. <laughs> That's <laughs> Party like, down. Yeah, party down. Like, you know, I, I don't know if he'd look that bad after a week. That's a speed. But I, I, I mean, like, I, I, I watch a lot of true crime stuff and that. Um, maggots go right for the eyes immediately. Well, no, that's that's fair, but the rest of it, this looks like you know, like I just maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I let's put it this way. I hope to never know. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, I think that's good fair. Point. Yeah, good go. point. Yeah, I mean, I I really liked it, and I think it was like, if it was over dramatized, that's still badass. It looks so weak. No, it looks good, and like, but like, I just want to say, Terry keeps trying to invite me out to this place, and I know there's a shallow grave there. So if if no one hears me after this episode, like that may be like, well, like maybe that's what happened. It's only know? because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like Fred Decker, he did uh, Night of the Creeps and the 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 special effect or the the makeup effects in that were so cool, like so cool. If you've never seen Night of the Creeps, please check that it movie's out. Great. It yeah. gives you a basis for this story, I think, and really why he may have wanted to do this. Um, it's a real fun movie, but well, nonetheless. Yeah. No, and the effects here are fun. Like it's it's gross. It's supposed to be. Yeah. So then, you know, you got Devlin. Uh, dead, Deadlin, uh, dead, show, you know, like, um, and he's like showing up, and and you know, you have Mitch like shooting a gun at him, like not the shoulders again, surprisingly, um, but you know, he's like, you, you should be dead, whatever, and then he he takes off for the car, which is like the right move, uh, but but uh, Devlin takes him and actually starts like you know manhandling him, dragging him back to the open grave. In the meantime, Stacy's getting free of the bed, um, and she has the fastest pants put on I've ever seen on a TV show, where like she's like in like this like you know negligee and then two seconds later she's outside with her pants on I'm like, I'm like good on you that that i don't have that skill you know like i would need a minute you know i don't know if i need that skill i'd be like dude this guy was about to kill me i'm gonna get the hell out of here i don't even care if i'm buck naked yeah, I'm if i was gone. yeah it's like you know it, you, you don't need to be fully clothed to operate a car you know right like that's so there's your tip guys i don't know if you pro tip you could be naked while driving you know exactly just, um, no and one if, knows and if the cops pull you over 
but if, considering the situation, that's a good thing. You can tell them what's going on, you know? Uh, so yeah, she runs out. She doesn't actually see what happens. She just kind of hears everything, yeah. which is, uh, Devlin is like actually dragging Mitch into the grave. And here's the part that I, I, I liked cause I didn't see it coming was like, so you have this thing where he's like holding, uh, Mitch. And at first he takes the shovel and like gashes, like cuts fingers off of like Mitch and then takes the blood and sprays it against like, you know, the side of the, the, the open grave and it spells out something we'll get to in a moment. But then as he's like taking his other, like uh free arm and just keeps pulling the dirt onto the both of them. And he's basically just burying Mitch alive and like drowning him in dirt. And that's, that's a very gruesome image. It's it's so awesome. He's yeah. got he's got complete control of him. Mitch is completely helpless at this point, and he's just he's he's like almost like in a, a aggressive stance, like like almost on his knees. It seems like, and he's just piling in the dirt on top of him, pushing his head down, and um, it's so the imagery is so cool because Mitch was such a scumbag, and you're just like I'm like. I'm like almost like looking for somebody to high five. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's powerless, powerless at the end. Right. And then what's written in blood is she's mine is what, you know? So it's like, I don't know if it was uh, a Devlin's thing of saying she's mine or more like this was what you last told me. And this is how you're going out, you know? And so, you know, Mitch gets buried, uh, Devlin's staying under supposedly. And then that's it. Stacy has an idea that something happened. Cause she, she touches the necklace and that's the end of your episode. You know, you come back with a Crypt Keeper doing like a little wraparound. That's it. Um, I like this a lot. My only thing is that I was hoping for, I was hoping for one more twist, like in the sense of like, we knew Mitch was a bad guy. We knew he was going to get his just desserts. We knew Devlin was going to come back in some capacity. I thought there'd be the twist of like, I told you I would be here for you to protect you no matter what, that now she'd have this weird burden of having this undead boyfriend that's going to always be waiting in the shadows if anybody gets close to her and he perceives it as being negative. I, I get that. Maybe we maybe for this time slot and like how long the time slot was and everything like that, they probably just needed to do what they could to get to the meat of the story. I mean, maybe they'd have a sequel. That would be cool. But I, 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 I get what you're saying. That would be a cool like extra part of the story. Well, I mean, just because I feel like I feel like the, there's. I mean, and we'll rate the twist because it's what we do here on the show. I don't think there was a twist, and I think that's fine because it's just a, it's a pulpy story. You know, asshole gets his just desserts. You know, and the and and Stacy is truly innocent because she, aside from the, her poor judge of character, but you can't blame the victim. You know, and the, and like and you never should, but you know, so she she wanted out. She tried. And then the jerk, you know, didn't give her an option. So he gets killed. Like I am, this is all well and good. And it's as pulpy as all get out. And I think this was a fun story worth watching because of uh, Miguel Ferreira and, and the creature effects. This was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And, and I mean, even this, the title, like the title just puts it all out on the plate. I think it's more or less like, let's have some fun, you know, get, get a bowl of popcorn and just have some fun and see how this one plays out because. Yeah. I guess Tales of the Crypt has never been about the mission statement of like, well, what if this, it's just yeah. more like someone's going to get screwed and let's just all kind of like, like gallows humor, sit back and watch it happen. Like, cause yeah, like, I mean, I guess you don't have to have like a, I don't think there has to be a sense of irony with a lot of this. It's just, you know, this is pulpy. And this is a bad guy. And let's see what, he, what, let's see how he seals his own fate. Oh, he shot a dude. That's probably gonna come back to get him. <laughs> like, so that's on me wanting to have 
the additional like screw you no one gets out of this easy right and you know? and it, i the best thing that i've always liked about tales from the crypt is you cannot depict exactly who what the good is it going to be a good story is it going to be like the good guy wins the bad guy yeah. wins like it's 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 a mixed bag like there was always like that element of like well i don't know who's going to win is this going to be the good guys win story today and yeah. I think this was a good guy's one. So I, I love that the love prevails, even though he didn't say that they were in love. But it just reminded me of The Crow. Like, that's one of my all-time favorite romantic movies. That's fair. That's actually a good a good call to this because it's like, it's not that far off. Yeah, you we, know? We, my wife and I watch it just about every Valentine's Day because it is a very romantic storyline. I love for us. The Crow. Yeah. yeah. I can't read it all the time. Uh, so, yeah. um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good call. That's a good call. Um, and I actually found, um, this is, this was, I wasn't going to bring this in, but I'll read some episode titles off or some things you can tell me there. Bloody disgusting. actually put up recently, um, 14, um, lovesick horror anthology TV episodes to watch this Valentine's day. Um, I've not seen a lot of these, so I'm going to run through them real quick. You tell me if you've seen them or not. Okay. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents uh, 1955 Lamb to Slaughter. Not seen that one. Hmm. Tales from the Dark Side, Florence Bravo. Not seen it. I own it. I should probably get to it. It's it's from the TV series, not the movie. Which the movie has a good love story. The Hell third yeah, act. Yeah, I was actually yeah. I was going to possibly say that one for this day, but uh, I think we want to maybe do the movie it's in its entirety it's i think that would be great too yeah. yeah so fear itself which was the nbc anthology horror series for a minute like it was like hour long oh i didn't i've never even heard of this um one. yeah new year's day i'm not i'm not seeing this one huh. um yeah uh but mick garris actually did this after masters of horror didn't get renewed so fear itself was there nbc trying to bring it back a little bit kind of look this up uh monsters an episode called pillow talk um i've not seen it it's all of monsters is available on amazon prime uh, if you guys have not bothered to watch that anthology series, it's a lot of fun. Thriller from 73, um, which I think was a British I believe one. so, yeah. yeah. When I was researching a, a show called The Frighteners, which this was a British show as well. Okay. Um, this was one that came up. Yeah, so One Deadly Owner, not seen that. Night Visions, I have no idea what this is. Uh, my so-called Life and Death, don't know what that show is. Huh. Uh, R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. <laughs> I know people are all about like some of the preteen or is this like from you know, CW. What is this? I don't know. Uh, the red dress, um, huh. outer limits from 95. Cause there's a revival in the nineties of that caught in the act. I'm not seeing that one. Tales from the yes. crypt. Yes. 1989 foresight triangle. So, you know, this uh, episode, yes, I did. Uh, the girl, That's Patricia Arquette. Nice dude. That episode is haunting as well. It's okay. because it's just so damn creepy. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Hell yeah. yeah. It's probably $2 to, to buy. Yeah, I'll uh, let you borrow it. Yeah. Amazing stories. 1985. Go to the head of the class. I've seen this one. I remember when it was on TV. It's not really a love story. I don't. Maybe like the main characters are in love, but this is the one where Christopher Lloyd plays a headmaster of a class. Okay, he's like a hard ass, and so the class decides they're going to curse him, and they go and do this ritual, and they take a yearbook photo of his, and they go do the curse to like I don't know to kill him or something. But before they complete the curse, they screw it up and rip the picture in half. So what they end up actually doing, like they find out that that they've actually separated his head from his body. Oh, jeez! Like you can see in this image yeah. here of him carrying his head around. That's awesome. So he's not dead, but he knows what they did. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty great. Seeing Christopher Lloyd. Kind of like, yeah. It's great. I love Christopher Lloyd. Too, oh, it's so. so much fun. Um, so yeah. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? Uh, the tale of the dream girl, uh, because I'm still choking my way through. Are you afraid of the dark? I've seen this episode. It is, uh, not great. <laughs> see, I, I love, 
this show. All right, so we'll, I, I'm we'll sure we'll watch more. Are you afraid yeah. of the dark? It's fine. I just everybody, yeah. everybody Submit. loves that goddamn show. Submit. Which it was funny because in the beginning I mentioned the episode that we were watching that sound like Are You Afraid of the Dark, and my wife was like, "Well, the main the guy driving the car, she's talking about Devlin. He looks like the kid with the glasses from Are You Afraid of the Dark. Like he got a little older, like the one that's in the Midnight Society at the beginning. Yeah. So I was like, maybe. And then I want to be like submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, the story of the thing from the grave. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, Twilight Zone, Jess Bell, which is an episode in season four that we've not gotten to yet. So we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mash is a horror, that anthology series, Sick Girl. I only saw some of that stuff, okay. man. Like uh, the some of the ones that I had seen, I wasn't really too thrilled about, but it's different directors. So I and Lucky you. McKee did that. So yeah. like he did, um, oh, what was the name of that? Uh, the girl, was it not Eve? That's not the name of the movie. Jennifer? No, uh, he also did The Woods. Um, Yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh, Yeah, Inside Number Nine, which I think is a British show, um, and that was the whole list. So there's like two in there that I know of. Well, there you go, people. We'll we'll link it on the page, too. Yeah. So if you guys want other anthology horror stuff. If if any of you know those episodes or are going to watch those anytime soon, give give us your feedback. Because uh, I haven't seen most of those, yeah. uh, you know. If and I'm always down for whatever. And I feel like there's actually a couple episodes of Black Mirror that deal with love that I think are actually a lot of fun to get into too. Yeah, so. I, I'm I'm all down for this kind of like creepy edge to the love story. Yeah, uh, like I said, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Crow. So I I want to hear what your your feedback is. If you have a really good anthology love story. Tell us that episode. Maybe we'll cover it some other time. Maybe a future Valentine's Day. I would Day. also argue that just because we've been covering the Twilight Zone, and in this case, Tales from the Crypt being horror, I'm not against the idea of anthology itself. Like, whatever yeah. it is. Like, not that, I mean, if someone says, hey, if you guys cover this, I'll be like, just give us a reason why it's an anthology and reach in. I'll I'll do that. I don't care. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like, e- even if you're a huge fan of Tales from the Crypt, because uh, we want to cover it in future episodes as well. Uh, you know, give us your feedback. What's your favorite episode? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is like there was um a Fox put it out. There was like a made for TV movie called Two Fisted Tales that was these pulpy stories. Like one was a western. And I whatever. heard about that. Yeah. yeah, I heard about this. So one it's too. like if someone has like an anthology, like like fine. I think it'd be interesting. That was actually so. part of EC as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Perfect. So anyway, just ramble through that list. But the crow's amazing, and this this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, any other notes that you have about um, the the episode itself before we get to the twist and get out of here? Uh, the, the one the one note I did not talk about, and I have to because I love Oingo Boingo. Danny Elfman did the uh, the original theme for the show, so I have to make sure I put that in there because it's an amazing opening song. It is. And uh, I think it's so recognizable. It, it's such a, a part of the brand. As soon as you hear it, you know you're watching Tales from the Crypt. Well, he also did the music for the Frighteners, right? Yes. So when you start the beginning of that, that movie, you're like, this this feels like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. So, I, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Intro to this, this series is great, which I know when um, my co-host Steve and I covered um, uh, Demon Knight over on Invasion of the Podcast, they did the intro in the movie as well, where you have the swooping through the castle, not castle, like the estate. It's, it's a fun intro. Uh, and the music's great in this too. So yes, I, 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 I said my notes here, I had, I had that joke about play dead. And then I also wrote answering machines were the thing we used to use. If we didn't want to talk to somebody directly. Now we just text, which we talked about already. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Let's just, uh, we'll just for sake of consistency, we'll just write the twist. 
episode I loved, I'm giving the, the twist of one, the fact that like everything was laid out and the dude would come back and protect her against the bad guy that I saw that coming from a mile away. So no, that's not a knock of the episode. It's just that there really isn't a twist to this. Yeah. I, there is no twist. It's, it's, even in the title, it tells you what's going to happen. Absolutely. Essentially. Yeah. But I'm my love for it. A five. Yeah. Fair enough. I was kind of hoping that the necklace would actually have been the Tiki from the Brady bunch. Mm. Like the, the one that they give Greg when they're on like vacation in Hawaii. And every time someone has the Tiki necklace on something bad happens, I was really hoping it'd be that. You don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. Look it up. About. It's great. Yeah. It has a little sound effect that goes with the two. Like, like, um, so, all right. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, you guys uh, can find us on um, our Facebook. It's a, a strange highways. People have been liking that a lot recently. We appreciate that. I see people sharing the dumb images I've been posting. That's great too. Like the more interaction I think is the, it's just more fun for everybody. Uh, and like Terry was mentioning, if you have anthology, like love stories or anthology, the stories in general, you want us to cover post on the Facebook page. We'd be excited for it. Absolutely. Yeah, we take we like to take what we call detours from the highway. So if you have like some really like killer episodes of uh, Tales from the Crypt, pun intended, or uh, you know you like other anthology storylines and that, there's plenty of them out there. So tell us what yeah, you think. If there's like the the one mega fan of One Step from Beyond or One Step Beyond. Let us know. I have I bought the entire series for a penny at uh, the exchange. A penny. Yeah, it tells me it's probably not in that high um, high request, or like you know high demand. Hey, we're willing to watch it. Are you sure? If you if you dig <laughs> any of those episodes, reach out. Yeah. So please, and then you can also uh, contact us directly at our email. It's a Strange Highways Podcast Gmail so if you want to send us feedback there directly or you can message us directly on facebook or something actually if you guys could uh find us on wherever you get your podcast whether it be stitcher uh podbean uh apple Podcasts, google music uh wherever um marks aldi's i don't know wherever you find your podcast if you could rate review us um the reason we ask that is because uh it would be helpful because that will help the algorithm so if you guys like this other people might find it too. And the more, the merrier. So please. And your feedback about how we're doing and what you would like to hear a little bit more of would be greatly appreciated. We are, our brand gets better with your input. Absolutely. So after, so next episode, actually, um, what we're going to do is next episode, we're covering, uh, season four, uh, uh, episode six of twilight zone called death ship, which I read the intro to that last week, Jack Klugman spaceship. It's going to be interesting. Um, I love Jack Klugman. I was really hoping it'd be him and Tony Randall on a spaceship just rolling around being the odd couple. That'd have been That'd great. Be sweet, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. It's not going to happen. We're taking a week off. Um, I, uh, I'm probably getting a new cat and we kind of, we want to make sure that we're available for new cats, you know, new catness. Cause we had Katniss. to say, we had to say goodbye to a cat. And now I don't know what it is about, about my wife and I, where it's like, we're just heartbroken and torn into because we lost an animal. But then like after seven days, we're like, we could get another animal. <laughs> so probably going to happen. It's uh, cool. Yeah. So we're going to take a week off uh, so I can like, get acclimated to this this possible cat. And then we'll be back for Death Ship. I uh, hope you guys can appreciate, like, you know, giving me a little bit of time. Like Terry, Terry's being nice. Let me take a week off to do cat stuff. I'm going to miss you. I, I will miss you too. And I feel bad because like we're just doing our Valentine's Day episode and then we're taking a week off. So and you're going to ghost me. I'm going to ghost you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll Not be cool, like, you'll, you'll, you'll come over to the house and like we have moved out. <laughs> be oh like, god! Like you'll be like, I'm ready to record now. I'm be like, I don't know who this is. 
<laughs> uh, That'd be terrible. Don't All right. do that to me. Yeah. So everybody have a, a wonderful Valentine's Day. Uh, don't get into the jealous lover spats in which shoulders get shot. That'd be bad news. Uh, that's all I got. Like, yeah. just have, have a be, be happy. Uh, you don't need a Mayan truth god to uh, keep promises to one another. That's also a pro tip. But keep those promises wherever you can, man. Yeah. Lose the lights and everybody take 10. <laughs> uh, wow. That dude is a bummer. Yeah, boy. Thanks for the input.